what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. So we're going to make this one short and sweet this week, huh? Because I still got probably like three hours worth of editing to do tonight. And it's midnight here on the East Coast. So it's technically Friday? It's technically Friday. So we're, we usually record these like on a Thursday night. But uh, we're actually recording this one. Oh, boy. Do you hear my cat? I hear you, cat. What did you get off of? Stop <laughs> stepping on his tail. I didn't step on the cat. He's... he's <laughs> and the minute we started feed, recording, feed him. he'd start talking. Feed him. Feed him. I do feed the cat. I don't know what his okay. deal is. Oh, boy. <laughs> he sounds like he's dying, but he's okay. Yeah, he he's just like, I don't know what... Ziggy. Is his girlfriend outside or I something? I don't know what it is. Man. All right. What's up, Carter? You tell me, man. I, it's I'm, I, I don't even feel like I've been around this week. I'm, I'm like a zombie. Well, I did the uh, the Lazy Arena Cross there in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Oh, that yeah? Was good. How was that? It last week. It was good. We had about 135 riders on uh, Friday night and about 335 or so on Saturday night. Uh, it was cold. They had, you know, they got to keep the doors open uh, so the air flows right through there. And I was in the center of the floor the whole night. So uh, it was cold, but it was good. Lots of good racing. Um, a fast guy that I've never heard of before from North Carolina, Jace Owen, won all four pro main events. So that's pretty cool. I've never seen him before. Nice. Uh, B- Blake Wharton, another supercross rider, finished second in most of the races. So it was a good time. And uh, they want me to do some more races for him. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's always good to get more gigs. So, uh, how was paid. the uh, winter? How was the winter throwdown down there in Florida? Well, I'm not a betting man, but I'm gonna go on record as saying I probably had a better time than you because I got to see some flat track. Ah. Yeah, I, I'm very jealous about that. But you know, I I stayed home, made money instead of trying to travel down there and try to help out Corey. I really wanted to come down there and be a part of that. But a friend of mine, John Vitas, was the announcer, and he's actually. A friend of mine that I know through Barry, the late Barry Boone, my nice. old partner. Yeah, and he's a he's a radio DJ and uh, down there close to you, and he's a super nice guy. I talked to him uh, a couple days ago, and he said it was a great event. Dude, a lot of people turned out. I mean, on the rider side, a lot of people turned out. On the fan the, the fan side, a lot of people turned out. Everybody seemed to have a good time, and you know, if if there were hiccups, I. They, I didn't really even notice it, to be honest. I mean, it, there were, I mean, there's a little growing pains with anything, you know, doing the first time. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of fast guys. We talked about it last week, how many, you know, fast guys were there. It was like a mini national. Uh, my hat's off to Corey. Uh, stay the course, putting on a great event. Uh, I saw Corey's video just earlier tonight. He's already looking for another, another track. He's open to suggestions for another yep. track. I like that. He's asking, you know, so maybe, maybe... You know, other people might have a nice little track that nobody knows about, and Corey might discover it. You yeah, know, no, you never the, know. the track prep was great. Every, I, I can't even. There were so many people that that said the track was great. Um, that thank Corey for what he's doing. Obviously, uh, they appreciate his effort, and uh, and it was a hell of an event, man. I, I got out there a lot later than than I planned. I planned to spend all day out there, but I didn't get out there till just before the uh, sunset. Uh, I talked to, uh, to Carver, right? At, like I literally showed up before the first, uh, pro event, pro main. Um, and, uh, and I talked to Carver after apparently he, he flipped on that road tax he was riding or, and, uh, I heard, 
I missed that. I heard he wadded it up pretty good. Yeah, no, uh, but I mean, he came back and I think he finished third in both pro mains and uh, he won the dash for cash. He won the dash for cash, so that's uh after wadding it up, by the way. So he was on that Rotax going pretty fast, and, and I mean, he was throwing it in the corner on that thing. So, um, but I gotta say, man, B Rob, he called it and he followed through, won both pro main events. Uh, that's pretty awesome, man. You know, he had to pass Jared Meese. I heard absolutely uh, a couple of times. You know, they had a restart or something like that. He passed him again. Yep. So B Rob, I think, has got some confidence. And man, not, not to mention the King of Cool was out there as well. So if you're passing right. uh, Jared Meese, leading Kenny Coolbeth and uh, Jeffrey Carver, like you got something. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like a mini national. Yep, it was pretty cool. Um, and it was what it was. Uh, you know, a couple of AFT folks were there helping too. I saw, um, which is awesome. And then uh, J- Jared Vanderkoy was uh, was helping wrangle the people on the line. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, he was helping Corey. You know, he's got the factory Harley contract and may maybe not let him ride, but he also he's really good friends with Corey. He stays with Corey when he goes up there to Pennsylvania and stuff like that. So, you know, friends help friends, and that's what it's all about. And you know. Uh, I'm glad he was there helping and and man I just wish I could have been there because like you said I, I guarantee you had more fun yeah I finally got to meet Robbie Bobby too that was pretty cool he's got an event coming up here what next week yeah the very last week of January, Clash. I believe yeah yeah th- three races two different tracks in yeah. two days yeah no I mean that it's uh it's definitely gonna be fun here in Florida for a flat track I mean the weather was perfect too so um so yeah looking forward to see what what Corey does with that event or other events in the future if he's promoting more and uh might even make it out to, to Robbie Bobby's later this month I know guess where I'm at where are you at Graham's house oh that's right you're out there in Phoenix I actually saw like you were out at Estenson's thing too huh that was kind of a surprise you know I told Graham I was coming out here for about a week and all her and Pa wanted to do was go see Essence's collection of motorcycles. Oh boy, yeah. So I was texting with uh, a couple different people, but Colby uh is the one that set it up for us. We went to In and Out Burger. Nice. And then and then made the journey to the south side of town. That's what and, I'm talking uh, about. Parked out front, walked in, and the the shop, the race shop, reminded me of a NASCAR race shop. What? It was incredible. Uh Colby and Nick Daniels were on the dyno with uh, one of the 450 Yamahas. Uh, some of the bikes were up in the rafters, the race bikes, and then some of them were down that they were working on. Uh, and then Ryan Wells, Colby, and Dallas Daniels were all getting their motocross bikes. They were all going training a little bit later on. like They were leaving about the same time we left to go ride some motocross. Uh, and then on the other side of a kind of a half of a wall was a collection of motorcycles that I was drooling. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, one of Ricky Graham's bikes was inside. Um, I saw Rich King's RS750 Honda that he raced. Um, Bart Markell's uh, Harley Davidson KR Harley was there. I mean, on and on and on. And, you know, mostly race bikes, a bunch of Boltacos, a bunch of old stuff like that. But what a beautiful collection. Uh, Colby said he spent, you know, they brought it over this. They just opened this new shop and warehouse. And when they were bringing them over, Colby said he spent over 50 man hours just cleaning the bikes oh boy just just the bikes for the shop and, and tim's just getting it set up what he's going to make is little placards to go with every motorcycle to explain to people that stop by what each bike is what the significance of it is why he bought it you know stuff like that so man it was just cool i was uh i was it was awesome to go there and to see tim in his environment you know not at a racetrack yeah. and uh, we got to spend some time with them 
my my grandparents, Grandma Pa, were trying to figure out, you know, because he's from North Dakota. I don't yeah. know if you knew that or not. Yeah. But Tim was from North Dakota, and my grandparents and myself actually from South Dakota. So we all had to be in the same racetrack at the same time. But you know, back then there was a whole lot more riders, and right. we didn't necessarily know everybody at the track. But uh, we we did figure out that that he's about 25 years younger than Grandma Pa. So if he might have raced anybody in my family, it was probably my my dad or my two aunts or maybe my uncle but uh maybe he never raced my grandpa but uh it's just cool trying to put everything together and and what a small world you know no i i definitely want to make it out there and see that collection one time you know we've i've heard crazy things about it and i heard him tell a few stories of of, of a few of those bikes and uh pretty blown away by but by just like the idea that you get when he's talking about it so i can't imagine seeing it in person yeah, and like I said, it's just now getting set up, so it's going to get even better and better. And speaking of Estenson Racing, earlier this week they announced that they hired Tommy Hayden oh, yeah. to be their the director of race operations. What all it entails, we really don't know. It's kind of he's just trying to put everything together, and you know he's on crunch time because Daytona will be here in 55 days. I mean, they're doing big things, big things this year. I mean, they've really, really spent some uh, some time figuring out you know how they want to build that team and then i think they're doing the right making the right moves for sure it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for them with that five rider team in 2019 yeah and just wait until they pull up to the racetrack you're gonna be blown away oh boy a little teaser I'm just gonna leave it at that a little teaser just le- yeah just leaving it at that. that's great no that's good stuff i'm looking forward to it um some other big news this week the waters auto body team was announced they've got two aft singles riders yeah. morgan mishler fast guy that was riding yamaha's and Tristan Avery, who's been in that class for a little while, who's shown some speed at times and uh, has just been struggling a little bit lately. But, you know, maybe just him just being able to show up and race, it might change his whole outlook on everything. So, uh, you know, I hope the best for both of those riders and for the Waters Auto Body team. Like you said, they've had some speed. I mean, Michler won a couple races last year, right? Um, so he's definitely got some momentum coming out of 2018. And uh, I've seen Tristan be up there as well, especially on those miles. He's pretty fast. So it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do on those KTMs. Absolutely. And you know what? This AFT singles class has been putting on some of the best racing. And with all these people announcing who they're riding for, uh, the singles class i just keep getting more and more excited about it yeah no i think uh i said it you know when i was working with the series and I've, i just say it now i think it's some of the best racing um that aft offers week in and week out um definitely one of the most competitive maybe maybe the twins will surprise us this year in 2019 but but i'm always blown away by the singles racing for sure yeah they're all you know the 450s are all pretty much the same i mean some of them are a little bit faster than others so it leaves it more in the hands of the of the riders but it makes for closer knit racing. You want to get into the interview this week? Dude, we, we have to because we've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Absolutely. Uh, this one is good stuff. Yeah. And I almost came to tears talking in this one. And it's such a good story. Yeah, this one's one of the first riders I met when I started with AFT. And uh, he's, he's a class act. We, he was uh, gave us some time earlier this week. I think we, what, Tuesday we talked to him? Yep, Tuesday night, like shortly after I got here to Phoenix. And yep. uh, man... You know, it's such a good story, and hopefully, it has a happy ending one day. Yep. Uh, but man, he's 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 not giving up. He's a fighter, and he's an inspiration for a lot of people. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Brad Baker. Hey, how's it going, Scotty? What is up? It's the bullet, Brad Baker. Man, I haven't talked to you since I guess the Minnesota race when you sat in the booth with me. You've been doing all right. 
Yeah, I've been doing good, man. Been uh, oh busy since that time. Uh, lots of things have happened, but um, yeah, things have uh, all been progress going forward. So uh, yeah, everything's everything's been good. Right on. Well, I, did, I just want to say before we get into it and get to know you a little bit better, I had a great time when you stopped by the booth up there in Minnesota. Uh, it's cool to have somebody that has recently been on the racetrack and raced with the guys who are racing. So I appreciate you stopping by the announcing booth there at the Minnesota Mile. Yeah, uh, thank you, Scotty. It was great. I, uh, I had a lot of fun uh, in the booth with you, obviously. You and I have spoke a lot over the years, uh, whether it be on the podium or off the track. Um and yeah, it was uh, it was cool to have that view of of the racetrack and, and yeah, just talk with my insight of what's going on. So uh, no, it was it was awesome and uh, looking forward to possibly doing it some more this year with you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I know you got a lot of other things going on right now too. But before we dive into what's going on recently, let's go way back. Let's get to know Brad Baker from the start. So where were you born? I was born in Centralia, Washington, which is in uh, southwest Washington. Um, and then I grew up about oh, 30 minutes west of there and only about uh, an hour from the coast in, in southwest Washington, out in the country, pretty uh, very rural area uh, of Washington State. Um, yeah, it was a, a good place to grow up. So what was it like growing up? Was it like a small town you could ride your bike whenever you wanted, or was it you, you said it's kind of like out in the country. Yeah, and no, I was about as country as it gets. I mean, uh, yeah, when it comes to riding a motorcycle, it couldn't have been a better place to grow up. I mean, the the place where I I went to school was uh, K through twelve was was the uh, was oh, the school. So wow. I went I went from kindergarten for actually preschool to the place to the time that I I graduated high school it was all in the same building. Um, so yeah, that, that gives you an idea of how small the, the area, uh, that I grew up in was, but, uh, it worked out nice just because, uh, you know, some of the teachers that I had in elementary were who I had in high school and like my fifth grade math teacher was actually my, my principal the year that I, uh, that I graduated. So, you know, a lot of kids, they'll have trouble with, you know, teachers and people clearing them to go race and, and giving them excused absences and stuff. But, you know, my school is really good with, uh, with allowing me to, to go race as long as I, I did my schoolwork. And then, uh, as far as, uh, riding a motorcycle, I mean, I'd actually literally be able to take off onto the County roads and ride down the County roads and go up logging roads and, and just pretty much had free roam of the place because, um, everybody knew who I was. And I mean, my, uh, the piece of property that, that, uh, that I grew up on, it was my family home and had been, you know, been in my, my family for over a hundred years. And, uh, when I started riding motorcycles, uh, the, the 10 acre field in the, in the front of our house, uh, shortly became a, a 10 acre racetrack. And, uh, it just made, it just made growing up, uh, uh, awesome. And, you know, my, my dad, he got, he bought me home a motorcycle on the chain deck of his log truck when, uh, when I was five years old. And, uh, it just from there on, I, I was, I was, I was hitched. And when, uh, yeah, having the, the racetrack in, in front of the house, it just, it was basically, you know, like kids will go to school and, and practice baseball or basketball or whatever. You know, I, I had that means in, in my front yard. 
to, to be able to practice and to be able to ride whenever I want. So, um, yeah, it made, uh, it made growing up out there, uh, really, really fun. So you first rode a motorcycle when you were five, but when did you decide you wanted to race them? Well, uh, started riding when I was five and then, uh, my dad asked me if I would like to, uh, go give racing a try when I was six. And that's when, uh, went to a local racetrack called Oakwood, which is a heck of pretty much everybody in Washington, um, that, uh, that we know of that's a grand national rider. They, they all cut their teeth, uh, at Oakwood and, uh, yeah, I went, went to Oakwood and man, I was, I was just fell in love and really the, the rest is history from six years old on. So what was it about flat track that hooked you in like, like it did? Um, I really like the feeling of a slide and, and just, just a look, look of it, you know? So I obviously didn't really understand speed uh, at the start, but you know, when I would, uh, you know, the first, first, uh, race I went to, um, I listened to JD's, uh, his, his, uh, interview here a couple of weeks ago and, and, uh, saying that, you know, grew up at Oakwood and he was actually the first person that I seen when I came into the arena he was, he was the first person I seen. And it was like, almost like I'd seen alien cause JD had leathers and hot shoe. And yeah, at that time he had like, like blonde tipped hair and little loop earrings and whatnot. I'm like, kind of looked at him, me and my hiking boots and blue jeans and an old JJC helmet. I was like, Whoa, this guy. And then, uh, so seeing JD and, and then, uh, I went up and I started watching practice and, uh, there was uh, Kyle Ragsdale, who was national number 35 for a lot of years, and, and Jethro Halbert on the racetrack. And that was the first time I'd really seen, you know, flat track done professionally. And uh, I was just in awe because these guys were coming in, backing it in, you know, picking it up at the gas, squaring up, squaring up the corner. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's cool. And it, it just, uh, you know, it, just uh, the feeling of sliding the bike and 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 going fast and and, and charging in the corner was what really in, intrigued me uh, to start with. We know your brother races, and he he you know he raced too. But did you start racing first, and then he started racing, or or you know, did anybody else in the family race? Yeah. Um, so so my father Kip he uh, he he raced back when he was probably 18 to the mid twenties. He, he started a little bit later cause he had to buy his own motorcycle. He didn't have a father, uh, generous enough. Like, like, uh, like he was to buy me once he started a little bit later and he, he, uh, he raced as a pro, uh, locally around Washington. And, uh, and then he got myself. I, I was the first one out, you know, between my brother and I to, to really start riding and racing. And, and as soon as, I went to my first race and I, and I loved it. And I started riding even more. That's when, uh, my brother, he, he, he rode the 50 with me. We, we started out on, on a PW 50 and we both rode it, but I, I seemed to take the most interest in it. And then when I started ramping up more after I went to the first race, that's when Scott was like, well, I'd like to give this a try more. And, and, and eventually we were both, uh, we, we both fell in love and we grew up, uh, 
yeah, we grew up learning how how to race motorcycles and everything about flat track together until we were pros and 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 even to this day I've I've had my brother to to race and and learn alongside me. So it was uh, they they called us the Baker Boys. It was it was Baker Boys racing for a long time because my dad he actually got into racing um, right after I started my first race and Scott started racing. My dad actually found a couple full tacos and he had a 250 Astro and a, and a 360 Persang and uh, got them both going. And um, yeah, for probably the first three, four years of, uh, of racing, it was uh, my dad, my brother and I all racing together. So it was uh, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome memories to have. Yeah, that's really cool. And those those Boltacos, man, those things are some flat track racing bikes, you know, right right out of the out of the gate. It had to be good for you to learn how to slide on, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. I, I never really got to ride one when I was like actually old enough to ride a, a big bike, but there was there's a picture uh of me on that two fifty Astro um when I'm probably only six, seven years old. There was a uh there's a, a race in, in Washington called Dino Days, which is a vintage flat track and, and motocross weekend. And on the flat track, they have some exhibition races where they have basically all amateur races and, and one pro class of modern stuff. And they they had this one class where, or just kind of an exhibition during halftime where the kids would ride the father's bikes and the fathers would ride the kids' bikes. <laughs> and uh, there's a picture of me where I'm like, Legs fully extended, arms fully extended, um, riding this uh, riding this 250 Astro, and I, I had to only be you know max of seven years old. So, um, but uh, that that was what was cool about you know having my own racetrack and having a brother uh, that was older than me. Uh, you know, at least one age group is that I was always riding a bigger motorcycle, like the next age group above me. You know, when I was you know two, three years too young to actually be legally riding that bike. So it, it definitely helped me progress quicker being able to to jump on those those bigger bikes at a at a younger age. Yeah, I think it definitely helps you to to go faster if you got a race in a class ahead of you or, you know, people that you had have somebody to chase after. I think it help helps you go faster. But uh so to somebody that doesn't race, uh explain to these people why riders decide to race motorcycles for a living um the biggest thing is just the the thrill and and the love that you get for for riding a motorcycle um it's really a a sense of freedom and and adrenaline that uh that you really can't um explain unless you unless you ride one it just uh it, it just you just fall in love with it and and then when you you start going to the races and you start meeting riders and you start meeting other families and you know you then you start having fun not just riding the motorcycle but you just have fun just being at the racetrack it's just uh it's an event and it's uh you know you you become close with other racers and other and other uh, and other families like i was saying and, and it almost becomes uh it becomes family and I mean, all my best friends and, uh, you know, my girlfriend, my everything that I've ever, that's my life consists of now is all because of, of motorcycles. And, uh, you know, you, when you, when you get that, that, that passion and that, that love for something that 
goes beyond just uh just riding a motorcycle it's 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 in your blood and it it just is is something that not very many things can can really compare to yeah i agree with that 100 percent. and you know just looking looking at your career you know there's a lot of things we could talk about for hours and hours and hours but i got some of the highlights here in front of me as an amateur uh brad what do you think was your biggest win and your favorite memory as an amateur rider oh <laughs> you know there, there's a lot of them um you know i i was uh very fortunate to be able to go to uh, the amateur nationals from the time i was six years old on a 50 until i was 15 years old on a on a 450 so I mean, there there's many, many, many memories, you know, between uh, racing locally in the state of Washington to the the Northwest uh, Championship, uh, you know, regional championships that qualify for the, the amateur nationals, and usually that was between uh, California and Washington, and that's when I met all my you know great friends from California, like Chad Coase and Stevie Bonzi, and guys I still race with today. Um, to you know, going to the amateur nationals and meeting all the other racers that 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 I, I still race with today and and battling with them for for the Grand National Championships. So, you know, there's uh, so many memories and, and and awesome ones. But uh, probably one of the, like my my biggest uh, wins um, that I I can remember that I just remember being super proud of was uh, in in '05. It was my first year on a 250. 12 years old and uh you know i was always racing with you know riders that were you know maybe a year or two ahead of me and so when i first got started in that class i was you know a little bit behind and i wasn't doing the greatest on like the the half mile and and the short track and then it came to the tt it was like day race was a short track and the night was a tt and uh, i remember i kind of had a had a rough day on the short track uh, earlier on and then came to the TT and uh, the main event of the, the 250 mod class, which basically the 250 mod class, the 450 mod class, those were the, the two biggest classes and, and the best ones to, to win. And I, uh, I beat uh, Chad Coase, Steve Barnes, and, and JD and, and a few other riders that had been doing really good that, that, that year. I think Stevie Bonzi actually won the, horizon award that that year so obviously if you're 12 years old beating the 15 year old horizon award winner you're you're on the throttle pretty good on on the uh, on the tt so when i won when i won that race i just remember you know it's like wow that was that was sweet being i mean like i said being three years younger and and uh and whooped up on those guys and it was just kind of the, the highlight of my uh amateur nationals that year so that one was that one was pretty special Right on. In 2008, you actually won the Dirt Track Horizon Award. How special is that award, and and how important is that in your career? Is it, I mean, that had to feel really good as an up and comer. Yeah, it, it definitely did. I mean, uh, as an amateur dirt tracker, I mean, you uh, the the most prestigious award that you can, you can win is uh, is the Horizon Award. And you know, you go back. You know, now it's the, the Nikki Hayden uh, Rise Award. So I mean, how much more honoring than it can it be than 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 winning that award? Um, you know, so really, you just you, you want to win that just because it it shows that you have the uh, the talent to to be able to to move to the pro ranks. So 
pretty much your, your whole answer career is, is, is built up to this this main prize to where, hey, uh, I get to the Ryzen Award, and, and, and then I move on to the Pro Ranks. So, I mean, uh, going from um, 2007, when Jeffrey Carter won the uh, Ryzen Award, it was like, you know, everything was all in for, for 08 when I, uh, when I turned 15 my last year as an amateur. And, you know, my brother, my dad, I mean, we, uh, we, we, we just did everything we possibly could came, you know, came back with three DTX four fifties and built, uh, my, my four fifty framer that I still have today. And, and just, uh, you know, went back there and, and put all the, uh, the cards in one basket and went for it and uh, was able to, uh, to, to win the, the, the rising award and, and just really uh, show that I had what it took, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it meant a lot to me. And, and, uh, it really was like, you know, dad was like, Hey, all right, we're, we're definitely going to Daytona in 09 for the, uh, for the first pro race, because, uh, obviously, you, you know, you're, you, you got what it takes. So, um, I, I think that's what, what everybody really shoots for as a, as an amateur racer. So you got that feather in your cap. How hard of a transition is it to go from an amateur rider, uh, obviously you're a fast amateur rider, win the Horizon Award, to move up to those pro ranks? How hard was that transition from 2008 to 2009? Um, you know, I, I want to say it was uh, was too hard for me, really. I mean, it is for somebody, and I'm not saying that it's easy, but, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, being able to race since I was 14 years old at all the, at all the uh, indoors in Washington we got indoor flat short tracks and uh, you know that go all the way through the winter in Washington. And then I grew up, you know, banging bars with Slim and Sammy Halbert from the time that I was 14. And back when Sammy was, that's when he had it, you know, started his name Slim and Sammy Halbert. And, uh, you know, racing with him and uh, Joe Cop and my brother and JD and riders that had already, you know, were already pros and experts. So, you know, I've been, racing with him for, for two years, racing and riding with him for two years before I even went pro. So, I mean, I was, uh, well, I wasn't scared to tell you the truth. I was ready to go Daytona and, and, uh, and, and put it on him. And, uh, and that's what I did. I, I won yeah. the first ever pro singles. It was, it was an inaugural year for the, the pro singles class. And, and uh, yeah, I won the, uh, won the first one, uh, 12 days after turning 16. Yeah, you didn't only just win. You actually podium 10 out of 13 events and took that championship. I think it was pretty easy for you. Um, and then you just keep going. You get better and better, and then you move up to the, the big boys in 2011, and you win the rookie of the year riding for the Lloyd brothers on the Ducati team. So, man, it just seemed like you progressed so fast. You know, year by year, you got faster and faster and moved up so fast. Uh, I mean, yeah, how can you explain that, you know? I, I I don't, I don't know, man. I was, uh, I was a man on a mission, and and I really think, like I said, going back from a kid being able to ride bigger bikes uh, at a at a younger age. I mean, my first time riding an XR750, I was 14 years old at, at Castle Rock, and then uh, I made my first expert national in, in 2010 uh, when I was 17 at I96 in Michigan. And I made three expert nationals that year uh, at 17 years old. And then, like you said, the next year in 2011, uh, six in the championship and uh, a couple podiums, uh, 
a lap and a half away from winning my first national that year and uh and yeah rookie of the year and you know and then heck two years after that i was grand national champion and uh the the third youngest champion in, in the history of the sport so um yeah i don't know how i did it and i was just uh i i was i was focused and and uh you know i was just blessed to have a, a family that was that was behind me you know, a hundred percent that, uh, allowed me to, to gain the experience that I needed to be able to accomplish all those things at, uh, at such a early age. Yeah. I think also part of that too, is you are riding everywhere I went, you know, I, I announce a lot of races that are, aren't, you know, not only nationals, but like Steve Nace races and other outlaw races and stuff like that. And I swear every track I was at, you were at riding and just refining your craft. And I think it really paid off for you you know, winning that championship in 2013. Um, how was that year different than any of the rest of them? Uh, you know, I, I look back to, to 2013, man, and that was, uh, I mean, those, those were the good days. I mean, I'm not saying that, that even like the days after and even today, you know, great, but I mean, I was just a 20 year old kid, um, didn't have any other responsibilities other than racing my motorcycle. And, uh, you know, I just, I took off in my, my 95 Ford van and my trailer with, uh, with, uh, all my four fifties running my own program and, and went racing. And I had, uh, the support of Dodge brothers racing with, uh, you know, a couple XR seven fifties with, Dave Atherton, uh, Kevin Atherton's father, building them, you know, one of the most meticulous uh, tuners that you can ever think of. And, and then Kevin Atherton as my, uh, as my race mentor, one of the, you know, the greatest our, our sport has seen. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an amazing year. I mean, I, I just, like you said, you see me at every single race. I mean, I was literally um, every weekend I was uh, either at a race or riding or training and uh yeah just just traveling around the country in my van and, and uh yeah just racing and riding and doing everything i possibly could and you know just started off that year with a couple second place finishes and you know uh my first national win at, at hagerstown uh and i mean it was yeah it was just a, an amazing year altogether. it was looking back on it, it was uh probably some of the the biggest highlights of my career and, and some of the most fun I had racing motorcycles. Who was your toughest competition in that year? Um, <laughs> Brian Smith. Is, uh, Brian Smith. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, my, my teammate from the last two years, it was, it was pretty wild to look back on it now. You know, it was, uh, we, we had a, a heck of a championship battle that year. And, and when I said that, uh, I, Starting out the year two podium finishes, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not pointing any fingers and it was, is what it is, but I, I ended up getting disqualified on one of the nights from a protest from him and his team for me running some forks that were illegal, rightfully so, and it was, did something illegal. And, uh, and I got, you know, the point strip made from me on, uh, on one of those second place finishes. So, um, it, it really, lit a fire underneath me, especially to, uh, you know, against him. And then it just ended up being that, you know, he was, uh, you know, my fiercest competitor all year long. Um, 
and uh, we, we battled all the way down to the uh, the last race in Pomona. Um, I think I I had like a ten point lead on him uh, going into Pomona, and we had kind of just played a little bit of cat and mouse. He was, I had the I had the points lead from uh, I believe Hagerstown on, which I think was like the the fourth round of the series, but he was always nipping at my heels. And uh, after I'd had one uh, mechanical failure at the Virginia Mega Mile, he, he was really close following in when we went out west for Santa Rosa and Pomona. And then uh, Pomona, I mean, that's probably one of the best races that we've had in the last five, six years. I mean, Brian and I, we pass each other every single corner. Um, for heck, it was probably at least 10, 15 laps of that main event, and uh, ultimately I was able to uh, take the take the win and, and take the championship and and, and claim uh, claim a championship at 20 years old. So yeah, it was pretty pretty awesome story. It's uh, it's cool looking back at it now. You know, him and I being the you know teammates the last two years on the Indian Wrecking Crew and. Now I live about a half hour from him, and uh, you know he was actually the one that pushed me to uh, to call the Kelsey Stauffer, uh, the love of my life that uh, just bought this house with here in, in Michigan, and he was kind of the push of all that. So it was kind of kind of wild how it all came full circle between Brian being my my biggest competition there in 2013 when I won the championship. Right on. Then in 2014, you got the call to ride for the factory Harley-Davidson wrecking crew. What was it like to get that call from, from Harley-Davidson? It was pretty cool. It was, it was really cool. I mean, I, I remember exactly where I was uh, when uh, Chris Schoonover, the director of the racing department at the time, gave me a call and uh, I was at uh, the Monaco's Almond, uh, Almond Orchard in uh, in California the, the week before Pomona asked me if I was interested in, in taking Kenny Colbeth's spot on the, uh, the factory Harley team the, the next year. And, you know, I was uh, I was really happy with where I was with, with the Athertons. But, I mean, we were just literally on a shoestring budget. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, the money that I was making, I was pouring the majority of it back into the program. So I, I said, yeah, uh, I, I, you know, who's going to turn down riding for factory harley davidson so it was uh really a dream come true for a 20 year old kid basically really saying hey i've, I've, I've made it I, i'm getting i'm going to be getting paid to to do what i love and uh that was really the the ultimate goal was to be able to to make motorcycle racing into my living and it, it, it came true in, in 2014 what was some of your biggest challenges to ride you know riding for the factory team you know you got mechanics you got different mechanics different motorcycles were there any challenges you had to face that year yeah there's a lot of challenges well to start out with i I mean i switched to a different 450 i started riding ktm for for a company out of illinois and that was a very bad call motorcycles uh just went up to part of the honda i'd built myself and really were comfortable on so i had very poor finishes at daytona and then uh you know about a little over a month before springfield i i 
break my left elbow uh, really badly at Colin Edwards boot camp, um, you know, a month before my, my debut at Springfield for the factory Holly team. I, you know, I pretty much destroy my elbow and I'm going, oh, here's one of the biggest opportunities of my life. And this is, uh, you know, the worst injury that I've ever had. And it's only a, you know, a month away. I didn't even have like, hey, I had three months to be able to recover. It's one thing, but I had a month. And, and I went to day, I went to Springfield and I'm not missing this, this first round. We're with Factory Harley. And, uh, Man, it was it was like basically riding with one and a half arms at Springfield. I mean, uh, you know, I was definitely not ready to ride yet, but uh, I was not missing that race. And luckily, I, I ended up fifth. I don't know how I did. I ended up fifth, and then uh, you know, I, I pretty much just continued to recover throughout the year while riding and racing, which uh, it's, it's not the way to to recover and, and to heal, but. I really had no choice. I, I have I have a job to do, and uh, you know I, I don't want to talk bad about Harley Davidson, but I mean it wasn't really anything to adjust to. Obviously, I I, I had a new team, but luckily uh, Mike Hacker was my new rider coach, and uh, you know set up and 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 part of the, the crew chief of the team. And I I worked with Mike when I filled in for riding for Kenny Cole, for Kenny Colbeth and. In 2012, I filled in for the factory on the factory team when, when Kenny was hurt when he broke his leg at Lima. So I already knew the team. I knew Mike, and, and so that wasn't too bad. But uh, now, like I said, not, not to talk bad about Harley Davidson, but man, their motorcycles were were not good in 2014. I mean, they uh, from electrical issues to brake issues to the bikes just being straight up slow, and uh, you know the, the motorcycles. You know, as I was riding good, I mean, I'd, I'd still, you know, top five for for qualifying. I'd, you know, sit on the front row for the main, you know, for the heat race if I didn't have an electrical issue or a brake issue or something else stupid or the motorcycle just blew up. You know, it's like sometimes I wouldn't even, you know, either make the show or the bike would blow up in the main event. And really, I was just, uh, you know, I was let down by, by motorcycles that year. And... Luckily, uh, you know, towards the end of 2014, the, the bikes started to get better. Um, you know, as I was really just putting pressure on uh, on Harley to to change up their program, and I was able to uh, to get a win at Calistoga, um, and then uh, then a podium at, at Pomona at the end of the year in 2014, and uh, and really just at least end the year off on a high note, um, and. Uh, you know, I'd really heard of the of the the gremlins and the stuff, the horror stories at Factory Harley. You know, like Kenny Colbeth, obviously, no slouch of a motorcycle rider, and uh, he, you know, he was having uh, some really bad, you know, finishes with Harley, and it wasn't because of Kenny Colbeth, it was because of, of Harley Davidson, and it, it pretty much just got turned around on me in 2014. Um, but uh, it was it was the start of a, a new challenge and really just helping turn around a, a factory team where they could start winning motorcycle races again and, and being a contender for the championship. Right on. So let's fast forward a little bit, a little bit, a little bit further ahead to the 2015 Super Prestigio. You were the man who beat Mark Marquez. Can you take us through that race? Do you remember? You remember how that all went down? Yeah, yeah, sure do. Well, uh, um, 
actually my first year of beating him was 2014, the beginning of 2014. I, I beat him, uh, yeah, at the beginning of 2014 before I broke my arm and everything happened then. And it was uh, an amazing experience, man. I mean, I went there at, at 20 years old, you know, and then at the time, you know, Marquez was a, was 20 years old as well, you know, one of the youngest champ, you know, world champions of, of MotoGP, and it was basically 20-year-old, you know, champion of flat track, best, you know, arguably best best flat track in the world that year against the best road racer in the world that year at 20 years old, and it just it made for a pretty cool story. And then, you know, being in, in Barcelona, Spain, you know, probably the biggest and most glorified uh, city in Spain, we, uh, yeah, to, to compete against him was, was you know, looking back now, was, is is incredible. And then he's a, he's a heck of a short tracker on a 450. I mean, he's an incredible motorcycle rider period, but when it came to riding a short track, I mean, they, they ride, uh, you know, 450s on, on little short tracks a lot over there. And he was fast even his first year and, uh, and being able to beat him, it was like, wow, people thought he was really unbeatable because really on a, on a road race bike, he, he he hadn't got beat by only maybe two three people that year, so I was, you know, one of the very few people to to beat him, and it uh you know it really just it did a lot for me because people uh, in road racing and especially in Spain just looked at me like I was Mark Marquez or something. So um, yeah, it was a a very cool experience to say the least. Yeah, I know that when I went over there. They they treated us Americans like we were royalty and you know like like you were God because you were so fast and you were the man who beat Mark Marquez. I mean, uh, hats off to you for beating him and and I think just going over there and being a part of that scene was amazing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was the you know the winning winning the race and and uh, and beating Marquez was just a small part of it. I mean, just uh, the whole experience of. The, the people there are awesome and and the friends that I've made are, are are like family to me now they're just a great culture of people and like you said they just they treat you know, like motorsports in general in Europe is this is is more like it'd be like the NFL here in uh in America it is treat us like royalty and and uh yeah I probably have just as many if not more fans in Spain than I do here and in America, it was just uh, yeah, an incredible experience and something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Let's move forward a little bit to the 2017 season. You joined the Indian Motorcycle Factory team. Was that an easy decision to make? It really was, Scotty. Um, you know, I, I started on the, uh, you know, the pains that I'd had with Harley-Davidson in 2014. And, you know, they, they got a better in 2015 but there was still some some things that really could have been improved on for us the bikes is just failing and the team just not being ran that that well and then 2016 is when uh you know i'd i'd had four mechanical failures while i was in podium positions of not winning and uh you know davis fisher was uh the, the development rider on the xg 750 um and uh i just did not really see a very promising future on that motorcycle 
And then when I heard about the, the FTR 750, which was actually found out about it through some, some guys that I became friends with and, and worked with through Vance Pines and went to work for S and S and they gave me a little bit of a, you know, a hint and, and put me in touch with Paul Langley and of uh, president of S and S, uh, one of the main guys behind the, the FTR and, um, they put me in touch with Indian and I just, I just seen, you know, what that motorcycle already was going to be capable of just from what they were doing. I mean, having, you know, Jared Mees and Kenny Tolbert and his team being the, being the development rider. And I, and I knew that Jared was, was signed on with them and was going to ride the Indian in 2017. I'm like, well, heck if Kenny Tolbert and Jared Mees think this good more, this motorcycle is good enough to, to leave the trusty XR750, it's like, hey, <laughs> sign sign me up, and uh, you know, and then I started communicating with uh, with Ricky Howerton and and Brian Smith, and they were on board as well. And I'm like, okay, okay, the Howerton Kawasaki, and we'll, we'll rock a chip of a motorcycle, and uh, and Kenny Tolbert, you know, one of the the best XR750 tuners there is. You know, it's like heck, they believe in it. I'm believing in it. And, uh, you know, so yeah, it was a very, very easy transition and very, very happy that I, I made that decision. Tell us about the first time you threw your leg over that FTR 750. What was it like? Uh, it was, it was awesome. We really, Brian and I didn't not get any testing going into the 2017 season. I mean, we were, we were lucky to be ready to go for, for, for Daytona. And I actually swung a leg over it at Ocala on a, this little TT, you know, a couple of days before Daytona. And, uh, you know, it's like riding a twin on a TT for the first time period, obviously a little different and, uh, and riding on that track, but I was already just telling, you know, the, the smooth linear power of, of that motorcycle. I'm like, man, this thing, when we get it onto some half miles and the tracks that these things are really built for us, I guess things going to be amazing. And then, uh, <clears throat> went to Daytona and, uh, unfortunately I, I, uh, only made it through, uh, qualifying until I, um, I fell down in the right hander and Jeffrey Carver was, uh, right behind me in the heat race and basically ran over right out the back, back of my head and, and gave me a concussion. And that was, out for the first race. So, uh, really my, my first race on the FTR did not, not end so well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, heck man, just, just an amazing motorcycle. And, and, uh, I just, even though the, the beginning of the season didn't start off all that good, I just knew that that motorcycle had what it took to, to be able to win races and, and win the championship. Right on. So no wins that year, but 11 podiums, your team finished first, you know, first, second and third for the, for the year. What was it like to be on the factory Indian team with such a dominant team right out of the box? It was great. I mean, like you said, no, no wins that year. I mean, it was, I, I tell you what, man, as looking back on my career now, I mean, uh, I'd had a win every single year since I, you know, had my first, uh, win in 2013. And I just was, you know, I, I was so close that year. Like I said, 11 podiums. I mean, I was so consistent. But, uh, you know, I'd led, you know, I don't know how many laps. Sometimes I'd led, you know, up so almost 20 laps of main event or you leading coming off of turn four. And, you know, Jared and, and Brian would just give me right at the line. And 
and or you know this this was so close and uh so many times and just just didn't get it done um you know but to to finish third in the championship it it was it was really cool you know jared won brian was second i was third indian one two three i mean that was really you know indians goal was to to reestablish the wrecking crew when they you know were finishing one two three in the championship every year and for them to do that in their very first year of coming back onto you know the racing circuit and to be a part of it was uh was a really really cool feeling right on let's move on to the 2018 season you started the season strong with the fifth at daytona you know some redemption from the year before when you had the concussion um did did you like the daytona tt and and did it feel good to to get a fifth place finish there in 2018 yeah, I mean, it was definitely redemption from the year before, but I mean, uh, you know, I look back onto that race, and I set fast time, I set pole for the main event, you know, I was really, you know, gearing up to, to win that thing, so I mean, hey, you know, it was better than the year before, but, you know, it was, it was really a failure to me, I'd, I'd really, you know, worked super hard throughout the whole off season to, uh, to come there and be able to win, and you know, I got the whole shot and let a first couple of races, you know, laps of the race and, um, just didn't really have a comfortable feeling with the bike. I was bobbing out, going up to the face of the jump, with my front forks and that really just get me out of shape. And it just, uh, you know, I just, I just lost my, my rhythm in the main event and, and faded the fifth. So, you know, I was like, okay, you know, top five, you know, that's, that's decent points out of Daytona, not what I wanted. Um, and uh you know really just tried to to push on from there and then you know the rest of the season i was just kind of ups and downs but still not where i wanted to be all right on so what happened the following weekend at atlanta well you know it's just atlanta was bad man i so probably you know less than a week before atlanta i got calls from uh the hospital from back home saying that my uh my my dad was admitted in the hospital and uh and things weren't looking good they weren't looking good at all for him and uh and i had i'd had that on my mind all yeah you know, that whole week and going up to atlanta and i just remember that whole race you know i just like i'm trying to focus on racing but i'm not you know i'm really not i'm, I'm thinking about back home thinking about my dad and then you know, and then with the motorcycle, you know, uh, Howerton had, had tried some different things with uh, engine uh, combinations and, um, you know, it switched up to a different suspension company. We were going with old ones. We didn't really have settings completely wrote for all the different racetracks, new engine setup, and just really, we just, we just missed it on setup big time, and uh, my mind was, was not was not in the race just because i was thinking about my dad and i just uh my starts were shit and uh i just i just didn't feel like myself at all and ended up uh yeah getting an awful start <laughs> in the main event and uh I, I mean heck i think i was like like 14th or something on the first lap so to be able to rebound to like a six or something it was it was okay but still not you're gonna win a championship you can't be fifth and sixth you got to be up on the podium and contending for wins and you know jared won the first two races so 
I, I just knew that, hey, you know, I say I'm doing all right, but it's not not where I need to be, you know? Yeah, it's understandably so, though. It's it's hard to hard to deal with a lot of things, you know, life, and then you still have to put your helmet on and go racing. So, you know, my hat's off to you just for even, you know, doing what you did and, and you know, finishing as high up as you did for sure. Um, let's talk about, you know, a couple more podiums that year, a couple events just off the podium, really consistent aside from a bump with Fisher at the first Springfield race. Uh, you know, the first half of the year was going pretty strong for you. Yeah, yeah, it really was, you know, and then I went, you know, right after Atlanta, my, my, my father passed away and, and, uh, you know, I, I put that, you know, that's that obviously hit the heartstrings really hard, but, uh, you know, I knew that my dad wanted me to, you know, continue on racing and, and to, to, to kick some ass. So that's really what I was still bound and determined to do. So went to Texas and, uh, I was feeling good. I think I qualified, uh, first or second. Actually, I think I had fast time, but then, uh, turn one, go into turn one on the heat race and just kind of get, uh, pinched off by, by Mikey rush and high side and, uh, and another concussion. And, uh, so heck, obviously, that was the last thing I wanted to happen. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the year, you know, it's like back to the, the race after that, I put the, the podium and other top fives and podium. And then Springfield really, it wasn't a, 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 a I didn't get hooked up with Fisher there. That was at Kentucky and he was on an actually okay. down. I actually had a, That's right. had a clutch fail Had a clutch fail at, at, at Springfield. And that was a okay. 12, but you know, it, it was going pretty good. I mean, I was in third place in points, and I was only 13, uh, you know, behind Henry, who was just really consistent, didn't have any crashes, didn't have any mechanical failures. Things were just going smooth for him. And I was 13 points behind him, and I was really, you know, starting to find my groove, you know, at uh, at Texas. I, I Or not Texas, at, at New York, I got third, but I led some laps to that main event. And the team and I are really starting to uh, – you know, find, uh, find some settings and, and, and I was trying to get a feeling with the motorcycle that really I was happy with. And, you know, we're really starting to find our stride at, at uh, in July at, uh, at Texas. And we're, we're coming in on, on Henry for, for second place. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was going good. And then, uh, as we all know, what we're, what we're leading up to here, I, you know, after, after, uh, so, you know, that, you know, I was just living on such a, still a good note, you know, after, uh, you know, started having some good finishes, good feeling with the bike, you know, put my, you know, the death of my father behind me and I you know, went to tech or went to, to New York, get finished there, went to Vegas, went, uh, with my girlfriend, seeing Travis, you know, jump the, uh, you know, Caesar's palace and was part of that, that marketing effort for with Indian that year it was awesome. And then, and then flew directly from Vegas to to England, and uh, to be a part of the Goodwood Festival of Speed, such an amazing event, and had a great time with my with my friend Chad Coase and Briar Bauman, and just just really just having the the time of my life. And then uh, you know, then I flew uh, to to Minnesota, where I'd been spending a lot of my time. I, I I trained you know all through the winter in Minnesota, and Minnesota had been you know, second home of mine for, you know, a couple of years of spending my time there during the summer, even that winter, but, you know, last winter they're training with one of my, my best friends, Kevin Anderson. And so I flew back to Minnesota and, you know, getting ready to go for, for the X games. 
and uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you take over a little bit on 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 yeah, leading into the the X Games. So the X Games usually about halfway through the season. Like you said, you had some momentum coming in. I think you were probably one of the favored riders because uh, you know they all know that you can ride a short track and and you had three bronze medals coming into the event. Um, what was your mindset? Were you ready for that event? Were you there to win the event? Yeah, I, I really was, man. I, uh, I, you know, worked really hard the year in the US before for, for the three bronze medals. You know, I, I kind of lucked into a few of them with Jared and Jeffrey having their malfunctions, but I mean, I was always right there. And, uh, you know, the X games, you know, flat track is being a part of the X games is cool. Cause everybody knows the history of the, of the X games and, how is how cool it is it's it's a very very popular event in the united states so it's like if you if you win that you know or and you're on tv you know it's just a it's a huge deal so you know being in minnesota i spent a lot of time Indian being from minnesota three bronze medals and i just had i was hungry I, I i wanted to win you know win gold and uh you know it's it just man it was very poor racetrack i mean they they built it from the night before you know where the fmx was and it wasn't even an old it was a circle and it was an oblong circle and uh you know tough blocks for inside of the corners people were t- you know clipping their bars on the tough blocks and you know i just uh you know i just i want to say that you know i made you know made any mistakes it just really you know we were swapping back and forth between two different motorcycles there's five minutes in between each session to be able to make gearing changes or shock changes or anything to the bike and you know i was just uh you know thinking back now i'm like man i I really shouldn't have been even trying to ride as hard as what i was with the motorcycle being geared wrong and just not being you know just wasn't comfortable on the bike and with the way the track was and but it just was a it was a racing incident, the crash that happened, man. It's like, I've had all sorts of crazy crashes on short tracks and, and whatnot where, you know, this thing gets away from you. And, and, uh, you know, when I, when I, you know, look at back at this crash at the X games, you know, you thought that, Hey, bump shoulder or broken arm or something or, you know, but, uh, no, it was a, a spinal cord injury. I mean, broke my t6 7 and 8 vertebrae and uh um yeah really t6 was where the the main damage of my spinal cord is and uh i've been uh paralyzed from the from the chest down from since uh july 22nd so the wreck honestly like you said it wasn't that bad you went over the handlebars and you just landed just in the wrong way so do you do you look back at that and like you said you think of different things you could have done but i think like you said it was just a racing deal how in the world are you staying so positive right now because i watch you i watch your training i watch what's been going on how are you so positive and moving from this incident what's helping me stay so positive uh, the most is is the outpouring love of friends, family, and fans, and even people that I don't know that have been reaching out just, and giving their support. Um, you know, I, I really got to give it up to my, my girlfriend, Kelsey, though. She's, 
been the biggest thing that's just kept me moving forward. I mean, you know, she, uh, it's been probably the most emotional time of our lives. And, um, she's just basically been my rock through it all. And, um, you know, been, been by my side ever since the, the, the day that I got, got hurt. So, um, having her love and support has been, been the biggest on staying positive. And, um, but, uh, you know, I just, I look at the sport, you know, and there's, there's been a lot of people away from it, you know, and, and, uh, and passed away from it, you know, and I, I, I knew that, you know, this is a, you know, something that was possible that could happen. So, um, I just can't feel, you know, bad for myself. I just got to push forward and, and make the best of the, you know, the situation that, that I've been put in and, you know, I've, I'm just kind of using all the, the training and the, and the mental aspect that I have learned from, from being a racer um, my whole life and, and just putting that towards um, getting better. And every day I, I try to make progress. And it's, uh, it, it's not, not easy, but, uh, but nothing's easy. And, um, you know, I'm luckily, you know, I'm uh, an incomplete spinal cord injury and I've seen a lot of progress since the day that I got hurt and I really just strive off all the success stories from spinal cord injuries that I've heard of and that I've seen you know I've been able to meet a lot of people that have been uh, affected and, and are suffering from a spinal cord injury and I use them as, as inspiration and uh, you know luckily um, I, I see progress probably every every week and, and especially every month and you know, I just, uh, I have faith that everything's going to come around for me and, um, having that faith is, is really what keeps me going. Cause I know that, Hey, if I, if I give up, if I don't, if I don't try, if I don't give it my absolute all that, I'm I'm not going to get better. So, um, you know, I just, I, I take that and, and I, I'm running with it. And, and like I said, I just, I just have faith that, that things are going to get better. So I push through, but you know, just, uh, yeah, the love of, you know, my family, uh, my girlfriend and her family and all my great friends that are like family and, and, and the fans that have reached out has, has, has made the biggest difference of me, me staying positive. Well, you, you just got to know that the whole family's behind you and, you know, not just your, your blood family, but your flat track family is too. And, and we're all watching, you know, all your posts and, and your girlfriend's posts on social media where you're working out and, and just all that you're doing is just incredible and, and, you know, just getting more and more movement, you know, uh, keep doing what you're doing and, and keep, keep working out, man. Cause we're all behind you. So, uh, we want to see it back at the racetrack. We want to see you stand up and, and, you know, ride a motorcycle one day and, and we're all right there for you. Well, thank you, Scotty. And I, I, I definitely will keep it up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for everybody. I feel like, uh, you know, the way people have made me feel that I'm just, I'm not in this alone. And that's, that's, that's been the biggest, so biggest thing that's, that's kept me positive. So everybody that's, uh, that's listening to this, just, uh, um, thank you. And, uh, I'll definitely, definitely see you guys all back at the racetrack cause, uh, um, I'll be at every single grand national, uh, this year. And, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just as well involved in the, in the sport of flat track as I, as I ever was. 
Yeah, I, I think that's awesome what Indians doing. You know, they kind of they actually kind of made a position for you to allow you to keep going to the races. So, what will you be doing at the races in 2019? Um, yeah, I mean, when it I mean, when it comes to Indian motorcycle, man, they weren't just a good they weren't just a good motorcycle to ride, man. They're just a a, a genuine and and great company to to ride for to be associated with so um you know they uh they they've they've kept me on you know i was i was supposed to add a three-year contract with them you know this would have been my third year in the contract and they, they've kept me on to to help uh i i helped them you know, organize the team you know between briar and bronson you know uh two great kids with uh with so much potential i mean heck we, we both know that they're they're amazing riders but they're I think they still have so much more potential and growth on the table. So um, they, they've just brought me on to be a, a little bit of a rider coach to, to either one of them and, and really just a, a technical advisor for the team, whether it was with the bikes or, or things that I think could be improved on. Um, you know, obviously I've learned a lot about the FTR 750 in the last two years, and there's a certain amount of things that I wanted to try and see different going into this year. So, um, I help them implement those changes and, and then just help, uh, you know, Bronson and Briar with the, the little things that I've learned about it and, and just, you know, racecraft things, uh, you know, on the, on the racetrack, you know, there's, there's some things that, um, you know, that both of them can really do better on a motorcycle than me, but there's, there's some things that, that, uh, I really feel I can help them with and or things that I wanted to, you know, better myself, but maybe wasn't able to. So really, yeah, just being able to, to help those two riders and this, the, the team as, as much as I can, it'll be, uh, it'll be, it'll be fun for me to do. Right on. So, you'll be in the pits most of the time and, and people can still come by and see you. I know when, when it's race time, you're there to work, but maybe like after the races, you can see your fans and stuff like that too. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'll be there, you know, open ceremonies when it's open paddock and the fan, you know, fans come, you know, down to see the riders. I'll, I'll be there. Right alongside, uh, you know, Brian Bronson and, and the rest of the riders. So, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll probably really be more accessible now than I was before. Cause now, you know, I don't have to go there and I have the job and the pressure of race motorcycles. You know, I got, obviously I got a job, but it's a, I'd say it's definitely a little more laid back job than being the, the guy that's swinging a leg over the bike. So, um, now I think I'll, well, you know, as far as this being able to interact with fans, and people and whatnot, it'll be, uh, It'll be actually more fun for me. Another project for 2019, you're kind of working with Vanilla Cycles and uh, your buddy from Spain, Ferran Cardus. I'm hearing he's coming back over here. So how did all this come about again to bring him back to the States? Yeah, um, I'm, you know, Ferran is one of my really good friends. And, uh, you know, when we were saying, talking about, you know, the Super Prestigio and the, and the friends that have became like family to me, you know, him and his brother and his family and uh, are are part of that group and you know Fran he's a extremely talented motorcycle rider and uh, you know I, I'd seen his talent from the first time I went over in 2014 and really you know with uh, you know having a, a hand in the growth of, of 
of flat track in Spain and, and just trying to expand flat track internationally. Um, you know, something that I, I, I took really big importance in, you know, that I just seen that how much value that could bring to our sport. And then, uh, when I met Ferran and, and, uh, you know, how great of a, a person and a family that he had, and then, you know, seeing his, his talent, I'm like, man, we need to, we need to get him over here and, uh, and see what he can do in American flat track. So I brought him over in 2017 and, you know, qualified second, second on the pole for the main event. And then he, then he crashes in turn one and, uh, and it picks it back up, gets back, you know, comes back the second. Uh, so, hey, it's first, first time, uh, you know, competing in American flat track. He, he does that well. Then he goes to Atlanta, and, uh, you know, he's, you know, they don't have any stock car tracks at all, really, in, in Europe. You know, it's like, hey, the biggest track that they ride in Spain and really, is, you know, almost Europe in general is, hey, a size of Daytona short track. So, you know, a banked red clay, you know, half mile is not, you know, it's something that is just like, is a foreign track to him, literally. And, uh, you know, he's won out of the main event, you know, for sure at uh, Atlanta in 2017. And then he comes back in 2018 and I get him back over here and, and just, uh, I was trying to give him as many shots as he can to be able to, you know, make a name for himself and, and uh, he sets fast time, sets pull for the main event. And then his biggest struggle is starts and his nerves. And he, he always gooses the start. And guess what? He, he falls down in turn one again. And uh, he picks it back up. He works himself back up to where he's almost about to pass for fourth in the last corner, last lap, and falls down again, picks it back up. And like he got sixth or seventh again. And so it's like, man, it's like he just has the speed, but he just needs to put the whole program together. Then he goes to Atlanta, makes the main event. Um, and, uh, you know, there are a couple of all-star races before that. He was on the podium, almost beat Jared Meese at Traveler's Rest. It's like, man, this kid is like, he he has it. He really does, man. I, I, I believe in Fron, um big time that if he just had the chance to come over and run a full season and get the experience that man, he, he could be one of the, the top contenders. So, you know, it just really wasn't able to put together the program for this year. I mean, obviously I've had plenty of my own things going on and, and uh, you know, it's hard for somebody in Spain to be able to put together a program in the United States when it's hard for somebody in the United States to put together a program to travel every single race. So, we, uh, you know, between Ryan at Vanilla Cycles and my best friend Kevin in uh, in, in Minnesota, you know, we we were just able to put together a program that we're still refining on everything on on coming up with the funds to make it happen. But uh, we're bound to determine to make it happen to get Fromm back over for for both Daytona and Atlanta again this year. And um, yeah, we got. Got some good partners, all on suspension uh, for for suspension, and uh, you know Motion Pro Recluse. Um, there's just uh, there's still a really good amount of supporters behind us to get some good bikes put together, and you know I just uh, I really believe um, if Fron comes over and uh, he just keeps his wits about him on the starting line that 
I, I'm 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 gonna bet that he's he'll win Daytona, and uh, wow. he he's yeah he's when it comes to a TT man there's really no I I can't see any other better rider man he's a great supermotor rider came from road racing and uh, man he just he has what it takes especially when it comes to to TT racing. Yeah, I, he impressed me this both the last two years. He was so fast at Daytona, especially, and and he had some bad luck, you know, trying to get used to the the American tires, and you know, there's so many different things he's trying to get used to, and like you said, the nerves got to him. But uh, I'd have to agree with you. I bet he's uh, got to be one of the favorites to win this year. Um, we're gonna have Kevin Anderson on here pretty soon, hopefully, and and he did a, a press release earlier this week on uh, Instagram. Is there anything we should ask him, you know, you got anything we can embarrass him with or anything we need to ask him about? Um, let's see here. Let, let's uh, tell him that he needs to strap on his skill show at Daytona and, and come out and put it in the main event as well. Ask him, ask him what's up with that. Okay. All right. That's a good one. I like <laughs> that. That'll stir, that'll stir up the pot right when we get started. That's perfect. It, yeah, for sure. Now, hopefully by then, you know, you can give you, you know, like I said, we're we're gonna make it happen for Fran. We just don't have the uh, the ins and outs of the the whole program put together yet. So, hopefully by the time Kevin comes on, it'll be like, hey, you know, we got we got all the money put together. Everything's gonna happen, and and uh, get Fran over here, and he can give the hundred uh, percent go that that Fran will be at Daytona and. Uh, We'll have him geared up to, to go for go for the win. Right on. There's also another upcoming event here coming up pretty soon uh, in now your hometown, Lapeer, Michigan, at Racy's Harley Davidson, and it's the Brad Baker benefit. So when's it happening? Uh, can can anybody just show up? Do you have to have tickets? Tell us about your event coming up. Yeah, it's a um, really cool event coming up. I mean the uh, the Racy's Harley Davidson is. Uh, big supporter of flat track for for many years and you know pretty much everybody that's that's got hurt um here in the last uh, you know five years or really anybody that gets hurt period in the sport of flat tracks they always put up a, a benefit for them to help raise money to to pay for medical bills or equipment or whatever they might need so very generous people and and, and avid flat track fans um and it's it's happening on February 9th and uh yeah any, anybody's welcome to come so you you can fly in if you'd like I mean there's there's going to be so many flat trackers here and it's just going to be really it's going to be a big hangout and, and and fun party with uh with a lot of different baskets like benefit baskets where um you can you know buy a raffle ticket and uh and have the chance to to win uh from yeah, very many different cool items, whether it be flat track memorabilia or to to really just about anything, because there's such an awesome group of people and supporters here in the uh, in, in Michigan and just in the Midwest. Um, so it's uh, it'll be it'll be a cool event. But yeah, anybody's welcome to come. There's a hotel right here in town that's got special rates for people that are coming in for the benefit and. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. Like I said, just really just a big party and group of friends getting together to raise some money to, to help me pay for therapy and equipment and things that, uh, I, I have to get because, uh, I'll tell you what, man, this, this therapy that I'm, I'm doing to the intensive therapy to help me get back on my feet is, uh, is not cheap 
and uh, I'm going to be doing it for, I don't want to, you know, I, hopefully sooner than later I get back on my feet and I don't need to go for therapy, but it's, it's, it's about $70,000 a year just, just for therapy, let alone all the, uh, all the other equipment and different things and medical bills that I have to pay for. So um, wow. everybody that's, everybody that's donated and helped out with, with raising money for me, I, I truly appreciate it. And uh, I, I can guarantee you it's, it's not just going in my bank account. It's, it's being used for something that's helping me um, yeah, re, regain function and, and re, just regain my life. If, if some of us can't go to that big party you got coming up, is there another way we could help you out you know, financially? Is there a PayPal or a fund, GoFundMe account or anything like that going on right now? Um, yeah, there definitely is. I, I would say um, the best way to donate money for me would be either to donate directly to, to Class of 79 um, and, uh, and put in your note that hey, the money goes to, to Brad Baker or Rotary Recovery Program, same deal. Um, you know, it's uh, I, I really can't thank both of those um, foundations enough. I mean, uh, you know, going to to Charlie Roberts and and his crew with with Class Seventy Nine. I mean, they've they've came together for every rider that has fallen in flat track. You know, and and wants some shape or form. And um, you know, was, I've been a big supporter of Class Seventy Nine since they started just because I, I know, you know, I, I believe in what they're trying to do and, and, uh, and man, they, they've, they've raised a lot of money for a lot of riders. So, um, yeah, big, big thanks to them. Um, along to road, the recovery, which is really, they, they, they help out motocross riders, road racers, and now including myself. And there is the same sort of deal as people that, that really love racing and, uh, and know to what hardships that can put on be put on uh, athletes and, and their families when tragic things like this happen in their lives. So, um, yeah, e- either one of those those foundations you can you can uh, donate money directly to me, and it, and it will will end up to uh, in my hands to, to help uh, to help pay for things. That's awesome. I love it. I love I love the flat track family that's helping you out, man. It's really cool that that we're a part of this big family so we're at the part of the podcast where we have graham's question and of course you know who graham is she's probably one of your biggest fans but uh, she said you're a long ways away from your family now with the recent move to michigan how are they dealing with you living in michigan so far away um you know i i'd say everybody's dealing with it pretty well you know i got a lot of great friends in washington and obviously my, my family um but uh you know, they, they're they all pretty used to me being away because, uh, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of my time uh, on the road racing and didn't spend too much time at home. So, and I'll, and I'll always go home, you know, say, I'll, you know, Michigan's my home now, but, you know, Washington will always be what, you know, where, where, where I grew up, where, where my roots originally came from. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun, and uh, everybody knows that I'll be at the races, and and uh, and they everybody will come see me there, and it'll be just fine. Right on. So now we're at the part of the podcast for the rapid fire questions. So tell me the first thing that pops to your mind when I ask you the questions. Are you ready? Yes, I am. What is the, your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Sorry, Indian XR750. Okay. All right. 
I, I, I can dig that. What uh, What's your favorite racetrack? Pomona Half Mile. Okay. I loved watching it at Pomona, man. You, <laughs> that yeah, that's one memory I'll never ever forget. So uh, you've yeah. had your fair share. You've had your fair share of wins. If you had to choose one favorite, which would it be? Any mile, 2015, edging out Brian Smith and uh, and Jared Mees on a chess game. On that was another one of my favorite tracks. Any mile, you know, it's like safe. No favorite mile tracks at Indies is definitely my favorite, and that was uh, that was definitely my my most favorite win. All right. So, who's an up and comer we should be keeping an eye out for? The best up and comer that I know of is Cody Cop, Joe Cop's son. Um, obviously, uh, having a great mentor like Joe. Joe is uh, one of my mentors growing up, and learned a lot from him. Um, but Cody's just a, a really good kid and, uh, he is coming into his own as a racer and I really foresee him, um, uh, doing great things in the sport. What event are you most looking forward to in 2019? Who, uh, you know, the, the Arizona TT, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit. I, I just, I think it's going to be really interesting from the, the media day that they had there with the setup of the racetrack. I mean, it has like a like a roller whoop section in it. I mean, uh, I think that's the first time that we've had a, like a, a roller section in a, in a TT race. So, um, or in a flat track race. So yeah, uh, I think Arizona is going to be, uh, one of the, the most interesting ones of 2019. All right. So here's the two part question. Who's going to take on the championship in 2019. We'll start with the AFT singles first. Uh, the singles championship is going to be, really competitive this year there's so many riders um that are top riders from being an expert class previously and then a a lot of up-and-coming kids as well but uh you know the one rider i'm going to be looking out for to to be really consistent and win some races and and possibly the championship is uh is mikey rush um him he's been really good on singles in the past won a couple uh national races um as an expert so mikey's the one that i'm gonna gonna be looking out for wow i like it so who's gonna win the aft twins championship for the twins championship i mean it'd be really hard to bet against your means how consistent he's been and i mean the guy's a machine he works so hard has a great team but um, I'm really thinking Briar is going to give him a run for his money this year. I mean, especially with how many TTs there are, T, you know, Briar's an excellent TT rider. And I mean, he came into his own big time at the end of last year on the miles and went in Williams Grove. So, um, I'm really thinking that Briar has what it takes this year to, to be able to, uh, to give Jared a, a really good run for championship and, and possibly take it home. You know, there's, uh, yeah, we're, we're having a very competitive year. So, you know, I, I'd say, hey, if I was going to bet, I'd see Jared. But uh, it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be very, very fun to watch. So um, I hope it, I hope it's hard on him because then it'll be fun for, for you and I to be calling all the shots. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. So we're at the end of the podcast now, and it's your chance to say thanks to anybody. If you want to take that time right now, here's your shot. All right. Thank you, Scotty. Uh, 
Yeah, I'd like to give uh, you know huge thanks to to Indian Motorcycle Racing for for sticking behind me, um, giving me a job for for 2019, um, and just being uh, yes, very genuine, awesome people. Um, you know, American Flat Track for for sticking behind me as well, uh, and then uh, big huge thanks to uh, yeah all my family, friends, fans, anybody that's reached out to me and gave me their best, prayed for me, donated money. Um, you know, Class Seventy Nine Road the Recovery. Miriam um, from Flat Track for equipment out of pocket, so I had it right away when I got out of Chicago. Um, and, and now raise some money to, to, to pay yourself back and, you know, putting way more money, uh, in my pocket after that as well. Um, you know, my, my doctors, uh, that, uh, you know, have really done a great job, all, all the nurses, um, therapists, and, you know, especially my girlfriend, Kelsey, as like I said before, you know, everything that she's done by for me, sticking by my side, this, her love has made, you know, the biggest difference in this, re- you know, recovery and, and along with my friends and, and family that, you know, their love has, has really made the biggest difference as well. So, um, yeah, and just, just all my sponsors, everybody, you know, yeah, there's not been one person that's, that's, you know, turn their head to me and, and, and not been there to support me. So, um, yeah, thank you all so much for your support. And, uh, I won't, I won't let anybody down. I'm, I'm going to continue to work hard and, uh, um, you guys will see me around and it's definitely not the, uh, the last of Brad Baker. That's for sure. And, uh, we definitely appreciate the time. I look forward to working with you. If we get the chance to in the booth, maybe we'll do TV. You never know what's going to happen, but, uh, keep posting your videos. I know that the fans like watching you work and work and work hard because you got a goal and we want to see you walk again. Okay. We'll do. I'll keep everybody update. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great, man. It's, uh, the sky's the limit and the future is, is bright for all of us. Amen, brother. Thanks, Brad. Take care, Scotty. Thank you. I mean, what can you say about that guy that hasn't already been yep. said? Exactly. He told us everything. He didn't yeah. hold back. No. Um, I, I like how he was talking about his recovery. I liked how blunt he was about some of the bikes he rode. Yeah. Uh, his first track he rode on was the same track as J.D. Beach. His first flat track rider he met was jd beach to remind him of an alien i mean really huh. how crazy is that and then of course they become good friends and and he raced with them quite a bit you know it's pretty neat i look forward to seeing you know what's next for him um he's got he's got one of the best attitudes i've ever seen um one of the most inspiring individuals i've ever met had the pleasure of meeting um so thanks hats thanks again for the time brad we really appreciate it and uh hope you guys enjoy that interview yeah, absolutely. I, I hope I get to work with them again. Uh, AFT's probably got something up their sleeve. Probably haven't even told me about it yet because I got a big mouth, you know. <laughs> no, I, I gotta say, man, the, the one the one race he sat in last year it was awesome to hear the rider's perspective. Um, not that you are not a rider with that perspective, but he's like fresh off the off the track, right? Um, and uh, he's he's ridden that Indian, so he can speak to that Indian. Um, right. Again, like uh, I think at some point you should probably throw a leg over it somehow. We should talk to Indian and get you on one so you can have a little perspective. <laughs> Man, dude, I would love to, but I, I'd probably not want to get off of it, so I'd probably have to run out of gas before I get off. But, well, that's okay. You know, when, when I'm doing my job, I try to be the play-by-play. 
I try to be informative, let everybody know what's going on. So it's hard for me to, to put the helmet back on and tell people what they're feeling or what, you know, what the riders are doing. But I try to I try to do it all, but it's hard to do it as a one man show. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, you hear any other sport or I mean, there's there's multiple people, right? Because it is tough to, to do it all. And, and it's I can't imagine doing what you do on a daily basis it's it's got to be pretty taxing mentally and physically you know because you're, you're talking non-stop all day so it'd be cool to see him up help give you some breaks and maybe yeah. you can get a sandwich or take a sip of water every now and then well just like you know uh, when we talked to robbie bobby when he filled in or he announced that traveler's rest he said i don't know how you do it and you know it's it sounds like it sounds easy because you're sitting there talking but you know, you got to pay attention to your race lineup. You got to pay attention to this. You got somebody in, in, in one ear telling you one thing. You got the race director sitting beside you telling you another thing. You got 10 people and, tweeting you with, 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 with what you're saying wrong. Right. And you just got to keep it all flowing and, and not let anybody know what's going on behind the scenes. So it's a little bit harder than, than it sounds. But, uh, you know, I love it. Yep. Uh, I did get my contract this week. Nice. Carter, so I'm nice. coming back for an 11th year in a row. Breaking news, Scotty's back. You yes, heard it here back. first. Back um, again. That's awesome, dude. Congrats. That's good stuff. Thanks, buddy. So now we're just going to find you a job so you can come to the races every week. <laughs> um, I'll be out at a few. I mean, Daytona's right down the road, so I'll definitely be at Daytona. Um, I don't know exactly what I'll be doing in Daytona, but I'll definitely I'll definitely make the trip down for that one. And then, uh, I don't right know, up. Atlanta's not too far away either, so got to get out and see a few this year. Who, who said smash that like button? What did somebody you. say? Was that a wrestler that said something? No, they never Sorry. said smash that like button, did they? No, they said something like it. Oh, no. you Remember, it was a um, somebody famous smashed that hamburger or something like that. And you said, yeah, maybe we can get them to do our tagline. Oh, the Oklahoma oh, no, City Thunder. No, it's St- Steve Adams. Yeah. yeah. Steven Adams. He was doing some sponsoring something. Smash that burger or something? Smash that like button. Oh, yeah. Made me think of you, because you're from Oklahoma. He's not from Oklahoma. Was he Australian? New Zealand. Don't ever, uh, don't ever call him an Australian. He gets pissed. Well, you like know he's him personally? The, yeah. Oh. He's the he's the fourth New Zealand born player to play in the NBA. Mm. Dude, stats. Dropping facts. Dropping knowledge. Stat, stats right here. And guess what? He's the same age as my daughter, and he looks like he's a giant. He's like. He looks like he's at least 30. She loves him, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was does. when I went to that Charlotte Hornets game where they were playing, when I was there, like down on the floor, I was sending uh, sending her like pictures and, and video of him, and she was going nuts. I can't she believe they're the same. I can't believe they're the same age. I know, age. right? Yeah. Right. She, she wants to color in his tattoo on his arm. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's enough for me. On that note, right. I think I'm out. On that note, what are we going to do? We'll... Uh, Talk to everybody next week. Smash that like button. Tell yeah. your friends. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We appreciate everybody that's listening to us. And uh, we'll talk to you next Friday. See you next Friday. Will I see them next Friday? Talk to you next Friday. Talk to you next Friday. Talk to you next Friday.